Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com. I am Tim Daniel. This week I'm actually joined by Kyle Brandon of the Shot Callers team for our 2019-2020 Los Angeles Lakers team preview. We are joined by Silver Screen and Rolls' Harrison Fagan. He is a multiple-time guest on the show. We have him back again to talk about all the nail-biting questions Lakers fans have, including, does every Lakers fan have a Photoshop account? Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got it with punishment. Youngest is confident, but they hear what we coming with. Others in love with the brother, this man, we just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them coming in. All right, joining us like he does every year for Laker Talk from Silver Screen and Roll, our good friend Harrison Fagan. Welcome back, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, like um, I'm getting set to head on vacation in the next couple days. The Lakers have like, you know, at the risk of jinxing this, like the Lakers have managed to not do anything bad for like the last couple days. Um, (laughs) So I'm feeling like calm, relaxed. Like it's been a nice like off season so far. July was insane. But since then, like, you know, they seem to be operating as a competent front office and like i think we'll you know i'm sure we'll get into that over the course of the show but you know i'm, I'm good i can't complain yeah so you mentioned competent front office something that definitely struck this team last year but seems like they definitely made that step forward uh starting obviously uh with the anthony davis trade so you know sean this one will be on here with me we have a funny story that we were at the mall in our local area and it was like 45 minutes from sean's house so as soon as the trade happened, we literally ran out of the mall, jumped into a car, and got back to his house to record. So what was that day like for you when Anthony Davis officially became a Laker? So the whole week, like, I had been giving my, uh, giving everyone on my staff, like, days off as normal, whatever. I, I did not take my day off. I don't think I took a day off in, uh, like, like basically after that trade at all until, like, at late July. But, um... Yeah, like I had been, you know, we'd been operating normal schedule, but I was not taking time off because I was like, look, I need this. I think it was a Saturday it went down. I'm like, I'm taking my friends and their uh, and their like five year old daughter to Disneyland. Like, I need this day off. Like, can you guys just if I keep giving you guys days off here, can you just cover this day for me? And they were like, yeah, sure. I was like, we have the Anthony Davis pre-write like it's ready to go. If this drops, then like we're going to be okay. And I literally like I got off of that that car's ride and found out that he had been traded and like the rest of the day I was I was supposed to be off but I was on my phone like either you know like looking at tweets filing stuff away for later I stayed up till like 3 a.m. that night writing when we finally got home that was like the worst possible place it could have broken for me yeah because I remember you know obviously the rumors were up and down and the deadline it seemed like he was coming and then it turned out he wasn't and then you know it seemed like it started heating up when the Celtics kind of announced that they weren't going to give up guys like Tatum and Brown for him what was like kind of like your full confidence that okay this is going to happen Anthony Davis is going to be a Laker was it the trade or was it sometime before then it was it was probably the couple weeks before that I'd have to go back and look at like my writing and my podcasting to be a hundred percent sure that this is accurate but I feel like I was pretty sure that this was happening and it that I was that saying way, as yeah. much yeah that it like it felt inevitable it just felt like a matter of when not if and so. Like I was pretty confident that it was going to happen, although obviously I did not guess uh, guess the day correctly. Yeah, so the Lakers make the trade, um, and the the general feel around uh, at least NBA Twitter 
is that the Lakers are the favorite at that moment before um, Kawhi heads to the Clippers, at least. I would I would say that any trade that makes you the favorite in the league is a good trade in your favor. Um, how would you how do you view the trade? Do you feel like it was too much or just anything that makes you the favorite is worth it? So I, I, number one, I would actually d- disagree. I think at the time they were the favorite. I agree with that. I think now I'd probably like I'd give the Clippers a slight edge as the favorite for the title next year, yeah, just yeah. because they have so much more depth uh, behind Kawhi and like a more established like cohesive team behind that. But like I do think the Lakers have a chance against them. As far as the trade. I would say, like, like I think they did give up in a vacuum a little bit too much. But, you know, it's like you're talking about. We don't live or operate in a vacuum. Like, if you can give yourself a chance to win a title, you kind of have to go for that. I just kind of disagree with the notion that they necessarily had to give up all of this. I don't know who they were really bidding against. I think they just they wanted to make sure that they could get the trade done before free agency. So they had... You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James as a pitch, which is a lot more compelling than LeBron James and these young guys who could maybe be Anthony Davis or maybe be Bradley Beal or maybe develop or whatever. So I think that they it remains to be seen whether it was like a good trade or not. We always try to evaluate this stuff right away, but it's not it's hard to do that because we don't know how this stuff is going to work out. I think that it's a high upside, high downside trade. Like they're really walking a tightrope here because on one hand, yes, like you want to go get Anthony Davis. You want to give yourselves a chance at a title. But on the other hand, like, look, if he leaves after a year and I don't expect that to happen, but there's there's a chance he could get injured. He could leave after a year. Anything can happen. And they gave up a lot of draft picks down the line. And, like, so this could go very, very wrong. Although it's still, like, I think I'd probably give them, like, uh, still a B for the trade. Because I think it does give you a legitimate shot at a title and a chance to build and bridge to that next era around Anthony Davis. It's just not really the plan that they sold when they took over, which was, you know, two stars and the young guys. And now it's just, like, two stars, and they're trying to gloss over that and be like, look, we got the two stars. We did it. Mission accomplished. <laughs> right, right. Do you think that the fact that they kind of sat on their hands for the Paul George and the Kawhi Leonard trade um, in the last couple off seasons, do you think that had anything to do with the price they paid this off season? I do think, like, I don't know, but I do think yeah. that that, was, that that had, how can it not be a factor, right? Because Paul George, you think that you basically have him in the bag, and then, like, he spurns you and stays in Oklahoma City. And then Kawhi Leonard, I, I think they were right to not do that trade at the price that it was going to cost them specifically, because I don't think that they could have gotten him for as little as Toronto paid it just seems like the Spurs had no interest in doing that and were asking for a crazy amount like more than the Pelicans got for AD which was already like a pretty huge trade so I think they're right to not get involved in that one but I do think that yeah of course it has to give you a sense of urgency because now they were past the point where they could keep saying and kicking the can down the year down the road another year and saying we could figure this out next summer we'll have cap space again just roll it over run it back we could do it again like no you're entering year two of lebron he could leave or retire after year three you're doing him a disservice you're doing your fans a disservice and you're doing the organization a disservice if you don't at some point try to put a contender out there and i think Mm -hmm. this was the best avenue that they had to really go after that yeah so Let's kind of go back a little bit before the trade. Obviously, let's start the lottery. You know, obviously, no one expected the Lakers to be the to get the fourth pick. Myself included, as a Bulls fan, I thought for sure we'd be in the top four. (laughs) We were not again. We really liked that seven pick, Harrison. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. The past few years seems to be our luck. Yeah, Uh, I mean, hey, like some people say, lucky number seven. 
Right. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't. That's not what I would call it in the NBA draft. But no, you know, <laughs> you know Mark and Carter have been fine. But when the Lakers got four, did you think that like was that like right in your mind immediately? Because I think everyone was kind of sense like, okay, that's getting traded. Or did you think there was a possibility before the trade that they might use that pick? No, I did not. They weren't even operating as a team that was going to use that pick. They had one workout of a top prospect, and I forget which player they actually ultimately brought in. Darius but- Garland, I think. No, it wasn't Garland. They they went and watched a workout for him, oh, okay. but I don't think they didn't bring him in. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he was a big man, I think, from Texas. Um, oh, Jackson Hayes. No, it was somebody else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They they brought in one projected like first round top four pick, top ten pick, or whatever. And the rest of the time, they were bringing in undrafted, like guys that went undrafted, guys that were projected to go undrafted, guys that were projected to go late second round. They were not operating as a team with a lottery pick. And I think Anthony and I actually said it on the show that we did the night of the lottery for uh, Locked On Lakers, in that like we both said like look, this is the, this is the Anthony Davis trade, and like this is what's going to get it done because now this pick is like a real asset that you can put on the table it's not a maybe this could be a good pick maybe you know the fourth pick is a lot different than ending up with like you know the 10th or 12th or whatever you know even seventh pick and uh (laughs) so so I I think that that was the moment where it kind of felt like the Davis trade was an inevitability but again like the caveat that I kept giving at the time was I thought it was an inevitability at the deadline and so you just never know with this stuff yeah, I will say, though, you know, for them in the second round to get Talon Horton Tucker, I know he's not like a superstar by any means, but it's great value for that pick. I loved him a lot in college. Um, I'm sure, you, you know, it's not expected on a veteran team he's going to play a ton, but do you, what do you see his role could potentially be for this for, for this franchise? I would be shocked if it's more than, like, he's just a guy that's getting minutes in the G League and, like, occasionally is a victory cigar. Like, if he is able to make any real impact this year, I think that's a huge win for the Lakers. But it's just, like, we were breaking down the rotation today, and, like, we, we went, like, 10 deep, and we hadn't even, like, come close to mentioning Taylor Horton Tucker's name. And so I, I think that he is a promising player. He's just also a very young one. He's one right. that was dealing with injuries all summer. I just would be very, very surprised if he's an impact guy guy or a consistent player at all barring a bunch of injuries or something like that I think he's going to mostly be a G League guy this year and one worth keeping an eye on for Lakers fans because right now he is kind of your sole avenue if you're rooting for the Lakers of like here's maybe a young reinforcement for down the road to kind of bridge these eras and keep this like stuff going yeah for sure I you know like I said I was excited they got him I thought it was good value for that's for the second round um Obviously now, you know, you can't talk about the Lakers this offseason without the moves they made post getting Anthony Davis. And the one that a lot of people really are looking at the most is getting DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I'm a big boogie guy. You know, I was, I was, I'm happy. You know, I got happy in the finals when he had the game where he played really well. And then obviously it looked like he's still kind of catch, getting his legs underneath it from the Achilles injury. But, you know, coming into this team, bringing JaVale McGee back, it seems like the center depth is better than it's been in a long time. But how do you expect to see DeMarcus on this team, you know, as a pick and pop, a three-point shooting center? Or do you kind of see, like, is this a potential where, since he's still kind of recovering, you see him splitting minutes with JaVale? It's it's uh, both of the scenarios that you outlined, and like I think him and Javale are the guys that I have like the least sense for in terms of what exactly are their roles going to be. There's the highest variance. Like Javale is a guy that you know realistically the Lakers could start him again because they'd want they want you know let's say they maybe want defense a little bit more with the starting lineup, and him and Anthony Davis would be like you know like a monstrous like kind of yes. rim protection duo, and like that would be very scary to try and score in the paint against those two guys. Uh, although you know like they're they're 
downsides to that too and that JaVale is going to like teams are going to try and pick and roll him to death and stuff like that um but not as much as they would if DeMarcus Cousins was in and for me I feel like Boogie is kind of maximized if you put bring him off the bench because it's it gives him a chance to kind of get the ball a whole lot more and be a fulcrum of that bench unit that doesn't have a whole lot of guys that can go get buckets for themselves and it turns him into he gets to be more than just kind of a floor spacer. Because if you put him in with the starting lineup, there are going to be a lot of scenarios where he's just floating out there at the three-point line, and I'm just not sure that that's the best usage of his talents, especially when he's probably going to be giving up significant, you know, points on defense because he's just, you know, no one should really expect him to be a lockdown defender at this point after the Achilles and quad injury and all that stuff. But that's just not his thing. Teams are going to hunt him. And I think that for me... I would start JaVale, although I'm open to the argument of starting Boogie because of, like, the offensive stuff. Like, he definitely would space the floor better. And I also think that, like, you know, a couple people have made the point that, like, the best version of this Lakers team is going to have Boogie playing a prominent role. And so you're better off trying to figure out how many minutes can you fit him, LeBron, and Anthony Davis together. Yeah, absolutely. So with with Boogie with you kind of uh, not feeling 100% sure of Boogie's role, and I'm the same way, who do you see, if anyone, stepping up as that sure number three guy? Uh, I know it's really kind of a league of twos right now, um, but do you see like a Danny Green? Do you see Kuzma? Could it be Boogie? Do you think it, there's anyone that kind of has the lead for that number three guy? Yeah, if there's like if there's anyone who has the potential to be that like number three guy, I, again, I don't think anyone's going to reach the level of LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I think you're right; it is kind right. of like it, it is a league of twos now, and it's going to be those two guys at the top. But like the guys who have the best shot to get up there, at least perception wise, are definitely Boogie and Kuz. Um, I think Kuzma is a guy that if he accepts like a role coming off of the bench, has a chance to even get some six man of the year buzz because. Uh, or Boogie could even go and do that if he's, like, back to himself after two years removed from the Achilles injury. And um, I think both of those guys are guys that one of, at, at the very least, one of them is someone that presumably the Lakers are going to be looking for to lead their bench unit. And I also think that Kuz is, like, he will be allowed, if and again, if he accepts this role and embraces it for everything that it is, he will be a guy that is really good playing off of Anthony Davis and LeBron in small ball lineups. Because we saw towards the end of the year last year, and he was kind of the first young guy to really adjust to playing with LeBron, and we really saw him hit his stride with that, you know, down the stretch of the season, too. But And I think LeBron had more assists to him than he did anyone else, and it was because Kuz figured out... It was like the same thing as when uh, he was playing with Lonzo in Summer League his first year. He figured out that if you just run without the ball, you go to the basket, you cut a whole lot, LeBron is going to find you and he's going to set you up for easy baskets. And I would think that that would only be like, you know, tenfold with Anthony Davis also sucking in defensive attention. And I think there's like a lot of potential for small ball lineups with those guys. And honestly, that would probably be the Lakers like best starting front court. But Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center the entire season. The Lakers have said that they don't plan on having him play center the entire season and to me that kind of makes sense I don't know how you guys feel but I just think like yes he is best there analytically but there is something to be said about preserving his body and all of that yeah I think that Anthony Davis definitely doesn't want to play the five I do think it's the biggest advantage you could have almost in basketball I think that the only bigger advantage you could possibly have might be LeBron as your point guard and I've heard conflicting reports um, on if he's going to play or if he's not if you had to place a bet, do you think LeBron will kind of play that uh, quote-unquote point guard role? 
quote unquote is exactly the right way to describe it because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 it depends I, on how you qualify. Like, is LeBron the point guard? Like, let's say, let's say just hypothetically, like, uh, you know, cousins, uh, like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Danny Green, and Avery Bradley start. Like, who's the point guard in that lineup? Like, they'll probably have Avery Bradley guard point guards or Danny Green guard point guards, but does that make them the quote-unquote point guard? I don't know, but positionally, they might be listed as that. But I would think in a lineup like that, if it is like Bradley starting, then LeBron is functionally the point guard. And maybe that's where you see that kind of of dichotomy between Chris Haynes reporting that LeBron is going to be point guard and Frank Vogel pushing back on that in multiple interviews and saying like, oh, well, no, we're not asking LeBron to do anything different than what he's done throughout his career. Well, okay, let's rewind. What has LeBron done throughout his entire career? He's kind of, he kind of invented the point forward position a little bit, or he at least revolutionized it. And so... I don't know. It just again, it's like it's a semantic thing. Like it depends on what you consider point guards. I don't expect LeBron to be out there guarding point guards. I think the Lakers would be insane to expect him to do that for an 82 game season. But on offense, he may functionally play that role. Yeah. So I might just be a jaded Pistons fan, but I am not high on Avery Bradley. Even a little bit. You and I, all Clippers fans in my mentions. Dude, <laughs> anytime I, I tweet an Avery Bradley quote, I swear. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I have, like, all of those same Clippers starting stats for Avery Bradley, like, in my drafts, like, ready to go. Um, but I mean, are, are you excited to have Avery Bradley in lineup? He's a guy that I am not incredibly high on. I, I do think... I thought he was, like, 30... Like, I had to check. I thought he was, like, 35 when I checked his basketball reference. He's, like, 28. I know. He's just... He's had a lot of injuries, like, and a lot of lower leg injuries, which for a guy like him that is mostly, like, kind of a 3 and D guard, and, you know, whether he sees himself that way is a different question, but a guy who, like, is at his best doing that, like, you're not going to be able to defend as well, and you're not going to be able to space the floor as well if your legs aren't under you. And, like, he... he did play better for Memphis. I don't think that the Lakers will be asking him to do that much. So that's like, and again, that was a lottery team with no expectation. So how much of that even transfers over? I think the only reason for optimism, if you're a Lakers fan, and again, I'm not someone who's incredibly high on this signing. This is like, this is one of the ones where I kind of, you know, I scratched my head. I looked at the rest of the, you know, the rest of the available names and I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like I can kind of see the case for it. And I think it's that, he may be a little bit better playing off of guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis and like not being asked to do a whole lot or not being in a position where he even feels like he should be doing a whole lot, if that makes sense. And so I think that's maybe the reason for optimism along with health. But yeah, he's not a guy that I'm incredibly high on heading into the season. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I I don't want to turn this into like an Avery Bradley slam piece or anything like that. Um, I just, <laughs> just, yeah, not, not the... Not the guy I would be most excited to. Right. To no, I don't think I don't think any Lakers fan is most excited for Avery Bradley. Maybe Rob Palinka, who had him as like a client before, um, is most excited for Avery Bradley. But I don't think there's there are Lakers fans that are way too optimistic about Avery Bradley. But um, in my opinion, but I don't think that anyone is like you know who's the best offseason signing probably Avery Bradley. Right. Yeah. We need you to confirm something real quick though, Harrison, because you're around Laker Nation. You have a lot of fans that follow you. Is it true that every Laker fan gets a free Photoshop account? Because I feel like every summer <laughs> we just see everyone in a Lakers jersey. And I'm just wondering, like, how does everyone, how does every Laker fan get a Photoshop account? You know, I, it's it's interesting. It's actually when you uh, when you sign up for uh, the purple and gold blood transfusion, they also give you, like, a free Adobe Access card. Oh, okay, and, uh, okay. 
It's like a dangerous procedure. They use paint. It's probably not medically advisable, but um, you know, it works at like like in one out of ten cases, it works out, and then you get a Lakers fan. But um, no, I, I think the reason for that is honestly, I got to give a shout out to Grant Goldberg, who is now with uh, Bleacher Report, but used to be our social graphics guy for Silver Screen and Roll, and. Mm-hmm. That that child is, you know, I think he's like 22 now, but he looks like he's about 12. And, like, he um, he just photoshops everyone into a Lakers jersey. Like, the second they get linked, the second they, you know, even if they aren't linked yet, like, he photoshopped Giannis into a Lakers jersey, like, months ago. And they're just a lot. Costas. Yeah, I think any time that you have... Like a bunch of like anytime you have the biggest fan bases, there's a better chance of more people with Photoshop skills in them. So who have the two biggest fan bases? Probably the Lakers and the Knicks. That's why there's a Lakers and Knicks Photoshop for every single, you know, player in the NBA, just in case, you know, we need to, uh, you know, put up a tweet that's like, imagine this Lakers lineup and it's like LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul and, you know, whoever <laughs> from a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that's why there's like 20 20- Kevin Knox fan accounts or whatever, and you're just like Kevin Knox. Why does he have fan it's accounts? Like, wait a second, huh? They're, like, are yeah, we, just, the Kevin Knox the place for the Knicks? That guy? Yeah. <laughs> what the Kentucky? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so going to kind of coaching um, a little bit, kind of a two part question here. One, is there any chance Frank Vogel survives? And two, like with the load management this season, how do you see that playing out? Are are they going to be split LeBron and AD specifically? Well, Do you think so, that they'll kind of split games? Do you think they'll take the same games off? I think I, that that second one I'm actually most interested by, um, and I'll get to why the I'm not that interested by the first one in a second, but the second one is the one I'm most interested by. Davis has said he's not really interested in load management. I wonder how much the Lakers will push him on that and kind of take that, not take that decision out of his hands, but really try to, you know, get in his ear about like, look, this is about the long game. It's about, it's not necessarily about winning this game in February. It's about having you ready and as healthy as can be for a title. That's why we aren't having you play center, all that stuff. I don't think that it would necessarily be the same games because you'd basically be tanking it at that point. And I think that, like, it's the same as staggering your players. You're better off if you're having, you know, a top five, top eight, whatever player on the floor. And so I think that it would make more sense to kind of separate their staggering and do it against teams that you don't necessarily need both of them to beat. Like, you know, if you're playing Charlotte or something, someone like that, like where you can rest one of those guys and maybe still sneak out with a win, opportunities like that. Um, yeah, my- my thinking on that would be like, I guess would be the opposite, where it's like if you play the Clippers, maybe they don't play LeBron or AD, or maybe you even sit Boogie in those, and you're just like, yeah, whatever, we're not going to show our hand against the top guys, and every team that's like a mid-tier team or below will just smoke them all. See, that's that's the strategy I would use if I was playing 2K. I just am less certain that like LeBron <laughs> and Anthony Davis are going to be like open to that on national TV. That just okay, sitting out and letting the Clippers punk them in like what they consider their building. I, I think that this is going to be a real rivalry between these two teams, and there's going to be some bad blood here and real competition for like you know, if not the hearts and minds of Los Angeles because that's clearly already gone to the Lakers, but competition for like, hey, we want to prove that we are the best basketball team right now in this building. Not that we have the most fans, but that we are the best one right here in this geographical area. 
And then, like, as as to the first question about Frank Vogel, like, and whether or not he survives, I don't, like, I don't think that Jason Kidd is going to do the backstabbing, like, literally. I think Frank Vogel will live. Um, I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm just not not sure about his prognosis for making it through the entire, uh, the entirety of his contract. Um, I just don't think that he's really been put in a position where... That seems tremendously likely to me. I feel like I could write a Jason Kidd named head coach of the Lakers pre-write right now and feel pretty confident that we would get to use it at some point in the next couple of years or in the next year or two. Um, it's just Kidd is clearly a guy that's already shown a propensity to do this, both as a player and, you know, as a coach and executive. Um, so, you know, we can rule like we can rule like intent, like we can cross that off. We can get put a check next to that. Like that's there probably. He's a guy that has LeBron's respect. He's a guy that has the respect of a lot of players. So, you know, check again. He's a guy that you know, it might serve the Lakers well in their pursuit of Giannis if Kid was a large part of what they were doing. And he's a guy that the front office was high enough on that they were trying to foist him onto every coach that they were trying to hire. And to the point that like Tyron Lue apparently wanted a lot more money to, you know, be like, hey, you know, if you're just basically going to set me up to get fired, I at least want you to make it worth my while. And, uh, you know, so I don't anticipate, I think Frank, he said a lot of the right things. I think, I don't think he's like a terrible choice as head coach. I just don't think he's being put in a position to last for the entire time he's here. Yeah, that's fair. The, the Jason Kidd Giannis quote caught me, (laughs) got me shook for a second there. I was, that's something I didn't even think about. Um, My honest shoes just came in today, and I was like, these would look good in purple and gold, wouldn't they? Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, I'm sure Nike has already thought a whole lot about that <laughs> yes, um, for 2021. But, yeah, like, I, I know I, Frank Vogel, I think his contract ends out uh, or ends – no, it would be summer 2022, right? Because next year's 2021. Yeah, so it would be, I think summer 2022 is when he'd officially end. But like, you know, Jason Kidd, Giannis has said a lot of nice things about him, reportedly lobbied for him to keep the job in Milwaukee. Um, and I know Bucks fans do not have a high opinion of Jason Kidd, but all that matters really is if Giannis views him as central to his development, right. not if he actually was. And if Giannis is like wants to play for him again, and most guys don't, go to a new team for coaches, but, you know, if he sees the Jason Kidd's there, he's heard good things about the Lakers from, or about the Lakers from his brother Costas, who's now a two-way player with the Lakers, uh, similarly to how the Lakers brought in KCP to kind of flirt with LeBron from afar. What? Clutch. No! Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, this is in their playbook. They're very clearly clearing the decks for when Giannis is a free agent in 2021. Rob Palenka is already talking about 2021 while not naming names, so, you know, I think they're kind of telegraphing this, and Again, I don't know that they're going to get Giannis, but if the difference was, you know, putting Jason Kidd in charge, I don't think that they would hesitate to do that. So I want to get your take on this real quick, and we just have a couple more questions. Thank you so much for obviously always being kind to us. Um, We had heard some rumblings from some mutual friends. Like I said, we're in the Kentucky area. Um, So we had heard a lot of rumblings that as soon as Anthony Davis was traded a couple days later, he was calling Rajon Rondo and saying, we want you to come back to the team. Do you have anything to have truth to that statement? I don't have anything to have other than, like, common sense and, like, my knowledge of, like, the dynamics of, like, this locker room and everything. Once they got Anthony Davis, I I thought it was a lock that Rondo was coming back. I think I wrote a month before free agency, like, that there was, like, a report at the time that the Lakers weren't making Rondo their first priority or whatever. And I just basically wrote, like, I I haven't heard anything to conflict with this, but... 
he's Anthony Davis's guy. He was very clearly LeBron's guy last year. LeBron went out of his way to praise Rondo at every single opportunity. He's clearly a guy that he likes having around. He's a guy that a lot of guys like having around. And then, especially once they signed Boogie, I was like, we could just start writing the Rondo thing now. Like, just get it ready. Um, I think it was like 10 minutes later. Yeah. And literally, like, that's what happened. And so, yeah, I, I... I don't have reporting to like back that up, but that would it would almost it would almost surprise me if that didn't happen. Yeah. All right. So my last question before Kyle gets to gets his one in, as always, when we have you on, your bold prediction for the 2020 Los Angeles Lakers is. Huh. Bold prediction. Um, I think Demarcus Cousins Sixth Man of the Year. That's probably like the boldest. Oh, I'll go. yeah. It's, it stays in Staples Center. I love it. Yeah. All right. You know, like I don't, I don't know that that'll happen, but I think that there is a case to be made that he could be the most dangerous that he can be for this team coming off of the bench. Similar to like kind of, it wouldn't be exactly the same because they're very different players, but similar to Lamar Odom, where he's maybe the best big on the team or one of them, but he's coming off of the bench because he can like really run those units and be a lot more dangerous, surrounded by shooters, and help the team a lot more as the fulcrum of that offense. Yeah. Well- Let's hope he's a little different than Lamar Odom in certain ways. But, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, the fact that you'd have LeBron in AD and possibly a sixth man of the year also is, is really scary. I had two final questions for you before we wrap it up. Um, real quick, one, do you think Anthony Davis has a better chance at MVP or Defensive Player of the Year this year? Ooh, that's a, that's actually a really good – like, that would be a really good, uh, like, bet to try and make. Like, yeah. which one – yeah. What's that, um, prop sports now you can make your own bets on? Yeah, exactly. Like, that that's a good prop we'll bet. throw that up at the Twitter poll. Yeah, or Twitter poll or something. Like, um – better chance I think he has a better chance at MVP just because I'm not sure the Lakers will be good enough defensively to get him the votes there um but I I actually do think that he is like he does have a very good chance at like MVP or maybe even both like if he if the Lakers can get to be like a top 10 defense like Vogel and his staff will obviously deserve credit for that but if they get anywhere near there it's going to be because of Anthony Davis's greatness on that end okay and also, this this might be a dated question by the time we put this podcast up. Just a yes or no. Does Kobe deserve to be in the all-decade team? <laughs> yes. I'm going okay. to say yes. Okay. Fair enough. That's- he was very good <laughs> for the first couple of years of that. And, like, uh, you know, like... Are there guys that maybe have more deserving over, like, the 10-year entirety? Maybe. But, like, he was, I think, he was a guy, like, the, the Lakers won a title in 2010. So, it kind of, part of it depends on your definition of the decade. But, yeah. like, Kobe was playing his most efficient basketball of his career before he went down with that Achilles injury. So, this might be a little bit of a homer take, but I, I don't think third team is egregious. I know Lakers fans were mad he wasn't higher. Yeah, no, I, I think if you're going to put Giannis on there, I think Giannis has only had, I mean, what, three good Did Giannis not make it? No, he made it. But oh, okay. He made he made third team, and I think the same thinking. If, if yeah, that, see, that's gets, totally fair, and that's like yeah. recency bias. So yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, that feels fine to me. If Gian, Giannis made third team, and Kobe should make third team, I think that's fine. I, I feel fine with it. Um, well, we appreciate you coming on, man. We want to give you a chance to kind of shout out. I'm sure uh, all of our listeners already follow you and everything, but just a, a chance to shout out where to find you and uh, where to follow you. Uh, sure. So I'm on Twitter at at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N. That's at H-M-F-A-G-E-N. Uh, I, ho- I host one day a week of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast with Anthony Irwin. Uh, you could just search Silver Screen and Roll on iTunes, Spotify. We're on pretty much every 
podcasting platform at that point. So the Silver Screen Roll podcast, we're really trying to build that up and have it be a similar kind of thing to silverscreenroll.com, which is the site that I run and I would uh, love if any of you wanted to check out. But just be your kind of one-stop shop for all Lakers stuff and we want to get that into podcasting form too. So we're really working on uh, ironing that out over the offseason and having a strong podcast heading into the year. Awesome. Are you guys have any cool like Anthony Davis like unibrow t-shirts this year on your site? Like last year you had the meme team shirt. You know, I, it, it's something that like I don't know that it, it, it has to be run through the NBPA. So like our True. shirt provider has to reach out to us with like ideas that they've already run past them, and that like generally the players get some level of say on it. So I don't know if like he's trying to keep his unibrow money to himself. You know, we we know that he's Fair. like we know that he's insured that thing. So I don't know. I'm sure that we will have fun shirts this year. I don't know that it will be specifically Anthony. Davis unibrow but yeah we are gonna like I'm sure that we're gonna continue to work with breaking tea and like get some cool shirts out there awesome well I'm looking forward to the Harrison all the best man I uh, look forward to talk with you soon all right thanks for having me on anytime guys